New year, new credit scores. Chime makes it easier to build credit by using your own money to make on-time payments with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a qualifying direct deposit. There's no annual fee or credit check required when applying. Get started at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. It's time to settle things once and for all and find a peace between the crime families of Miami and New Jersey. The sit-down between the two bosses has been planned, and both men sit across from each other, staring down their rival. On one side, Tony Montana chews his cheek and shakes his head back and forth out of affectation. On the other, Tony Soprano dips his head low, staring at his rival through the tops of his eyes. It is then that one move goes wrong. One thing said too forcefully, and the table is flipped, and violence will ensue. It's Miami versus New Jersey. It's State versus Singer. It's Tony Montana versus Tony Soprano. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavs, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stacanus. Welcome to the second matchup of season six, where we are continuing to push the limits of the fictional matchup genre. In one corner, you have Tony Soprano, everyone's favorite New Jersey-based mob boss who balances life in the mafia with his family responsibilities. And in the other corner, you have Tony Montana, a.k.a. Scarface, an ambitious immigrant from Cuba who rises to power in the Miami drug trade. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed. And I almost got punched in the face for even asking this question. You better believe this battle has been hotly debated online for years, but as always, it's never gotten the who would win treatment until today, that is. Ray, what are your thoughts on today's matchup? I'm intrigued. This is one that was suggested on the Facebook group of the Who Would Win podcast. You know, there's a ton of people. If you're not on the Facebook group, all day long, all night long, there are wonderful matchups being suggested left, right, and center. If we see a good one, we snag it. We do it on the show. That's how we like to do things. This is a great movie. This is a great TV show. I'm sure this has been talked at length. I haven't watched any of that media. I'm ready to solve it right now. You know, I'm actually just surprised it's taken us until season six yeah, true. to put this matchup together. It seems so obvious, but then again, we're just sometimes so lost in anime or superheroes from Marvel or DC or Star Wars, whatever it is. 
But you know what? When it comes to fictional matchups, I think this is the one we need to really debate and no better time than today. Look, when you have a matchup of this magnitude that is bound to upset at least one, if not two, very, very passionate fan bases, you need a judge who brings sensitivity to the show, a judge who can walk the line in a logical and yet unemotional standpoint, a judge who can be sympathetic to the needs of both characters in order to bring the Who Would Win fan base together, regardless of who they see as the winner. But they weren't available. So we got the next best thing, I think. <laughs> Making another appearance on the Hood Win Show. You know who it is. It's the host of Gutting the Sacred Cow podcast. It's Kevin Goatee. Kevin, welcome back to Who Would Win. Oh, boys, boys, boys. It is an absolute gem to be hanging out with the Barstool fo- Media folk. Oh, wait, sorry, wrong podcast. Which one is this again? Oh, not not them. Is this the real? Uh, oh, the Who Would Win show. Hey, guys, how's it going? It's been a minute. How are you? It has been a minute. Look, we love you. Everyone else loves you on the show, regardless oh. when you give a great decision uh, or not a great decision like you did last time on the show. But in the meantime, <laughs> tell the Legion of Audience, our faithful fan, fan base, what you've been up to. Oh, listen, I've just been up to hanging out on the old Gutting the Sacred Cow podcast. You know, the best damn movie review debate podcast there is out there. Come on. This week's episode, you ready for this one, fellas? I think this one's going to get your, uh, your, uh, your privates in a knot. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Chris Woolsey's come on to explain how this sci-fi juggernaut oft-imitated film is just a complete dump. We'll find out if he's right or not. We'll see. Chris Woolsey from Crackle. That guy is awesome, he if is. I'm not mistaken. That's yeah, it is. I, he, I love that guy. Listen, and I actually kind of agree with him on this one. But tune in to the Guy in the Sacred Cow podcast to find out. Look. Kevin, when when this show was debated, and or at least the the battle was brought up in the production meeting for the Who Would Win show, mm-hmm. um, we need we kind of all agree that we need a very specific judge for this show, and it's no surprise to me, really no surprise to Ray, and I'm probably sure no surprise to our fan base that you're the person, actually the only person for this job. Why do you think that you are the right judge? For a Tony Soprano versus Tony Montana, who would win match? Guys, I didn't submit my name in the hat. You reach out to me. <laughs> so you tell me why I'm such a good uh, choice of a judge. I agree, but I want to know your logic behind it. Well, uh, after last time you were on the show, <laughs> it was Invincible versus Shazam, and you wrongfully picked Invincible and pretty much cost me season six. I'm like, you know what? Let's let bygones be bygones. I know that you can make the right decision in today's matchup and see that Tony Montana's Scarface is the winner of the show. That was my reason for Did you it. hear what James just said? Because you chose Invincible correctly over Shazam, you cost him season six, the one we just started. That's how emotionally broken... He was by that decision. Check the tape. That's what he said. I think that you have the ability, Kevin Goatee, to go beyond the sort of macho fiction and really boil it down to its base elements in a way that not too many judges that come on the show are going to be able to do. Well, James Gavsey, I think you should also know, as an ardent fan of Getting the Sacred Cow, probably around episode number four or five of that fledgling podcast at the time, Scarface was indeed done on said podcast who who would dare how oh i forgot his name too (laughs) he he, he was a one and done guest but the but the but the film choice was fantastic because look if it wasn't for scarface what would rappers adorn their walls their homes posters with then i ask you that wow to be fair kevin it's not just rappers it's also pretend cowboys from ohio oh i see that's true i see that's true 
That's true. All right, look, I think we've got the perfect judge for today's episode. We've got a Titanic matchup. This is going to be a battle of the ages. With all that being said, Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's battle. Representing mobster cinema, the crime lord who has many friends, but none of them are very large, Tony Montana. And representing mobster TV, the crime lord who puts the bada into bang, <laughs> Tony Soprano. Uh, well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the basics of a who would win match. Now, each debater is going to make three points. And keep in mind that the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge or prep time allowed. And the debater has to stay within the confines of the exact character. And when it comes to determining the winner... It's the judge who has the final say and will determine which character lost based on death, incapacitation, or battlefield removal. And again, no outside interference is absolutely allowed. Remember, you can always check out all the rules on our website at www.whowouldwinshow.tv. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Visit www.whowouldwinstore.com to get your hands on some great Who Would Win shirts and merch. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our commands. Ray, please give us the details for Tony Soprano. Tony Soprano is a New Jersey mob boss. He was created by David Chase, played by James Gandolfini, and first appeared on the HBO TV show The Sopranos in 1999. Based on the lives of several actual mob figures, Tony Soprano tells the story of the ups and downs of being the head of a criminal conspiracy enterprise. Tony was more than just a mobster, though, as his therapist sessions showed that he had depression and other feelings well beyond the violent goon he shows to the world. Over six seasons, Tony goes from underboss to effectively running the show for the DeMeo crime family, even though his uncle is technically the one in charge. Fun fact, mob movies are always striving to give the audience a certain, you know, feeling. This can lead to mob movie actors appearing together time after time after time again. Now, this is true with The Sopranos as well, as at least three Sopranos actors can be found together mix and match in the movies. Goodfellas, Gotti, Bullets Over Broadway, <laughs> and The Irishman. Fun fact part two, the casting of Tony Soprano came down to James Gandolfini and Stephen Van Zant. Yeah, creator David Chase went with Gandolfini, of course, but he did keep Van Zant on to play the role of Silvio and he also is awesome. That is Tony Soprano. You gotta love Tony Soprano. That show, again, iconic show. All right, here are the details for Tony Montana, a.k.a. Scarface. Tony Montana, the, I guess, tragic hero of the 1983 film Scarface, <coughs> is an iconic character in the realm of crime cinema. Created by screenwriter Oliver Stone and brought to life by actor Al Pacino, Tony Montana is first seen as a Cuban immigrant who arrives in Miami during the Marielle boat lift in 1980. Tony's journey and rise through the violent drug trade in Miami during the 1980s is marked by a lavish lifestyle, a body count, and his infamous catchphrase, say hello to my little friend. I can't really do it. That was my best guess. Symbolizing his brazen and unapologetic nature for everything he does and represents. And here's an interesting fact about Tony Montana, a.k.a. Scarface. Did you know that his character has been a real-life inspiration for many businesses and organizations? It's true. From rappers, as Ray Sikanis just said, to business people, to everyone in between, the character of Tony Montana has has inspired many people to not only dream big, but to pursue that dream like a savage and let nothing stand in their way. And of course, there's always that one person who takes things a little, you know, too far. One particular individual set up a legit or 
organization called Montana Management and used it to launder copious amounts of cash through it. And who was this person who went too far just a little bit with their fanboy love of the movie Scarface? Why, it was none other than everyone's favorite tyrannical leader. Yes, you guessed it. Saddam Hussein. So the next time you want to write a mob story or a movie about organized crime, keep in mind that it could have some real-world ramifications. And now you have the facts of both opponents. Kevin, do you have any questions before we get started? No. <laughs> we've, we've done this before Great. a million times. <laughs> I know, but you never know. You always have fun things to say. I gotta, we got to find out. Audience loves you. All right, Ray. Please proceed with your point number one. Point number one for Tony Soprano. The biggest thing that I look at when I look at these two characters, you know, both mob bosses of their own different properties, both very, very violent individuals, is the size difference between these two characters. Now, if these two actually got into a real fight, a real knockdown, drag out brawl, I would take Tony Soprano over Tony Montana 10 times out of 10, and I will tell you why. He's a bigger guy. Tony Soprano, James Gandolfini, the actor, is just slightly under six foot one, and he's billed on his sheet as being 220 pounds. If he's 220 pounds, I'm 220 pounds. He's obviously much bigger than that. Meanwhile, we turn it over to the actor Al Pacino, who, of course, brilliantly plays Tony Montana Scarface. Little Al is only five foot seven, 165. If these two characters were to actually get grips and hands on each other in a physical altercation, one of them is a lot. It's like multiple sacks of potatoes bigger than the other one. And this is seen in the way Tony Soprano fights in his show himself. He's used his size to his advantage repeatedly. And pretty much it's his big weapon that he has and why people don't want to start throwing down with him, even outside of the mob stuff. He fought, uh, let's remember, Joey Pants, Ralphie. He fights him in his kitchen and he picks up Ralphie by the throat, by the collar, and just starts slamming him against cabinets, breaking the cabinets starts slamming him against the floor, the wall, and just picks him up and ragdolls him however he wants to. Let's not forget, Ralphie grabs absolutely anything around him and it keeps hitting uh, Tony Soprano with it. He hits him with bowls. He grabs a pot off the stove and tries to smack him with it. He grabs a can of Raid Bug Spray. Wish we could get a sponsorship. I just said it. Sprays him in the eyes and even kicks him in the no-no danger zone outrageous but what does tony soprano do because he's so much bigger so much stronger he never lets go he never gives ralphie a chance to escape and he ends up slamming him down in the ground choking the life out of him then punching him repeatedly to finish it off and that's how i see a match going down between these two tony's uh, montana's wonderful but he is not a physical presence the likes of tony soprano he also got heated at one point, and he just wanted to beat someone up. He was having a very bad day. You see him look around the room, and it's a whole bunch of kind of larger, overweight mobsters, and one guy keeps catching his eye, and that's a younger, fit guy wearing no sleeves on his shirt, so you know he's tough, big old muscles, and he starts picking on him. He's like, why are you slamming the kitchen, uh, the refrigerator door like that, right? If you remember this scene, the guy's like, ah, I didn't mean to. P punches him. The guy gets up off the ground, charges at Tony Soprano, Bad idea, because Tony proceeds to beat the living bejesus out of him with about five more shots that put him down and keep him down. And another time that he used his strength was Febby Petrullio, 
when he wanted to strangle him, a former made man turned a flipper who went to the authorities. He found him, right, when he was in witness protection, goes to where he is, sneaks up behind him, and strangles him with an extension cord. I just put away an extension cord for my Christmas decorations. I'm glad I did because Tony Soprano would murder me with it if he found me. He comes up behind, pulls it real, real tight, and then pushes down Febby onto the ground, gets on top of him, and just wrenches it, pulls it back. You can't do that unless you were a massively large, massively strong individual. And Tony Soprano is that. I don't think if he gets his hands on him, he ever lets go. And that's my point number one. All right, look, I do love the fact that Tony Soprano is a bigger guy. I think that's kind of cool. And size absolutely does matter. But here's the problem with all of this. Tony Soprano is in horrible, horrible shape. It's not like he's 280 and jacked. He's 280 and kind of like dad bod strength, which is still good. Plus, he likes to fight. That's cool, too. But again, he's in horrible shape. His cardio is non-existent. If this fight actually goes to a physical confrontation with these two, he's got a minute to a minute and a half. I actually timed these fights before he actually gives up or just falls on the crown exhausted. Look, in terms of that fight with Ralphie, you got I remember that Tony Soprano also took on a ton of damage, was way bigger than Ralphie. Ralphie was not in good shape. He's in his kitchen. He's he's mourning what's going on with his son because his son just got messed up. He's in the hospital. He's not in a good place. And that's when the fight goes down. Tony kind of ambushed him with that, had the element of surprise. What happened in this fight? Uh, and again, in that fight, Tony got messed up so bad and his cardio was so bad, he actually puked in the sink after the fight because his breathing was so messed up. On top of that, this younger guy you're talking about, Ray, that younger guy didn't fight back against Tony because he's like, why is the mob boss coming at me? I can't throw a punch at the mob boss. He's the head of the mob family. I have to let him beat me up because that's the thing. And finally, yeah, he did strangle that guy from behind. Again, he surprised him, strangled him from behind. It shows he's a kind of a got a killer mentality when he needs it. But again, that size, I don't think is going to be a big factor after all. Now, let me get to my point number one. And for my point number one, let's talk about Tony Montana and what he brings to the table before he even rises to power in Miami. So Scarface either was born with or somehow developed an antisocial, narcissistic personality, at least a couple of disorders, and he's got an extremely violent and aggressive set of tendencies, and this was all diagnosed when he was a kid. He was so violent as a young kid that he murdered his first person when he was 13. That's right, 13. This is someone who's not afraid to get his hands dirty. Tony Soprano, on the other hand, look, I love him, but someone like him, he may be up for, like, killing someone, but in terms of getting his hands dirty and cleaning up the mess, or if things get really, well, he calls his captain and soldiers for that. That's not what Tony Montana is going to do. Let's keep going, shall we? Now, Tony Montana joined the Cuban army and served in Angola. He went AWOL because he wanted to and boarded a cargo ship to France because that's what you do. And he got himself arrested and sent to prison. And in prison, he had some interesting extracurricular activities that some people in prison do. You know, was he the captain of the chess club? Probably not. Was he spending a lot of time in the library and getting a college degree? Yeah, I don't think so. See, in prison, he decided to focus and to specialize in some other special activity, which was revealed when Tony attempted to get a green card. See, Tony Montana, when he's in the Miami and escaping and he's talking to this immigration official, he claims that because he has an American father, who, who knows if that's true or not, because of that, he has the right to a green card. However, this requ request is denied because of a little Trident-style tattoo on his right hand which indicates that he was an assassin in prison. That's right. Tony Montana was an assassin in prison. But luckily for us, Tony Montana was able to apply his prison work skills into the outside world. 
Now, when he fled Cuba, he was sent to what was called Freedom Town. That was that refugee camp in Miami that held Cuban immigrants without green cards. After one month in the camp, Frank Lopez, the head of a Miami drug cartel, offered to get a green card to anyone in return for murdering this person named Emilio Rabenga. I guess he was a one-time Cuban official that tortured people to death, whatever. So soon after Rabenga arrives at this camp, there's a riot that breaks out in this Freedom Town, and Tony Montana is waiting outside and stabs Rabenga, Rabenga in the stomach, in the gut, killing him, but he just keeps stabbing him like it was nothing. He stabbed him in the stomach and killed him. Emphasis on stomach because this will be an important factor later on. Now, let's add all this up, shall we? So, Tony Montana, a.k.a. Scarface, has more experience with firearms. He was a soldier than Tony Soprano. He's had combat training. Again, he's a soldier. He's had more fighting experience than a little prison assassin who killed his freaking first victim at 13. He's willing to kill anyone and anything that stands in his way. Remember, this is the guy who killed Manny, his best friend, for dating his sister. This is a level of ruthlessness and ferociousness and insanity that Tony Soprano does not want to face. All of that is my point number one. I mean, that's great. Tony, look, Tony Montana, he he went around. He he definitely served, at least to a point. We don't know exactly know how much combat he saw because you didn't tell us. And there are a lot of people who served who never saw combat who, you know, who can tell? Who can tell where they're at? But I do want to say right now, Tony Soprano also had to kill somebody at a young age in order to become a made man himself. So that's kind of a one for one here. And that young guy, that strong guy, he wasn't just taking a dive in that fight. Had Tony Soprano punched him the first time and he went down to the ground and stayed there, that's a dive. That guy got pissed. That guy got up and made a charge at Tony Soprano, which is exactly what Tony wanted because that's when he beats the crap out of him, which is what he did. And let's talk about, you know, Tony Montana always being around here. Who can forget the hotel room scene? Don't bring a, a gun to a chainsaw fight. We all know what we're talking about right here. He went into a room with a weapon and got absolutely played. He got tricked in that there were a bunch of other people, including the lady on the bed who was hiding a shotgun under her pillow. And if it wasn't for outside interference, Tony Montana would have bit off more than he could chew. He would have gotten tricked in that moment and he would have been murdered and dismembered by a chainsaw. Just remember that for later. And yet it didn't happen. All right, excellent stuff. I'm loving where this battle is going. Kevin Goatee, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this battle? Well, the old goat saying goes, guys, show me, don't tell me. You know what I did see? I did see a lot of Tony Soprano knocking people around, slapping around, punching them. Didn't see a lot of Tony Montana doing that. All I heard about all these, you know, days of yore and this and that and tattoos and prison fights and leaving Cuba and all that. What was he really doing? I don't know. Killing people in prison? Mm, you see that? You see it in the movie? No? Get, well, you see the skills. Mm, I don't know about that. I mean, that's the first opening scene. He stabs someone. Anyway, that is all not, good stuff. Not sorry, as many Soprano, though, but that's, uh, you know, you got time. You got time here to, uh, to, to reevaluate. You know, I, I'm surprised Ray didn't come out with a, it's a dangerous situation. That's my Gandolfini, which is goddamn terrible. <laughs> Noah. Is he here with us right now? <laughs> I mean, is that oh, a that ghost? Was Kevin. <laughs> oh my ghost? gosh! Okay, I was scared for a second. Not a. No, I was just gonna say, not a mention of uh, scungeel or capicola or any of that stuff. I mean, we're yeah. look. I had some gabagool uh, on deck, but now it feels now it feels cheap. <sighs> we didn't, we haven't even got to the women discussion yet, but I guess I'm champing at the bit, as they say. Let's see what you boys have for round two, and we'll be right back with point number two. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. 
Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. And we're back. Race to Canis. Hit us with your point number two. Point number two for Tony Soprano. I want to talk a little bit about the people themselves because this is important. What's going on inside their heads is also important besides the physical stature and the fact that we see Tony Soprano beat people up repeatedly. And we don't see that so much from Tony Montana. It's alleged he may have done some things in prison at one point. Who could tell? James won't tell us about it. He'll only imply it. The point I'm trying to make here is that Tony Soprano, I believe, has more to fight for than Tony Montana. And I'll tell you why. is because he has some sort of weird moral code in himself. He respects and loves his family, I think, a lot more than Tony Montana does. I think Tony Montana uses and kind of throws his family away. And I think Tony Soprano tries to be a shield to protect his family, no matter how many bad decisions that they make. And not just them, any animals he comes across too. I didn't realize until I went deep into research how much Tony Soprano loves and cherishes animals. I knew about the horse, but then there's like birds and other dogs. He loves all the animals of the world. And that means that there's something more that he believes in in this world other than amassing money for himself. That's all Scarface cares about. His own personal glamour, his own personal glory, his own money, and that's it. He's building an empire for who? No one but himself, and that's why eventually it had to crumble. This is a guy who essentially committed suicide by cop because he couldn't keep it going any further. So he could have ducked away. He could have had an escape plan, a helicopter on the roof when the feds all, whoever all comes in. He didn't. He just shoots them until he dies. It's not a great battle strategy at the end of the day. Tony Soprano is a guy who is trying to keep the thing going. And Tony will kill. Uh, You know, you say before, you know, uh, James, you said he always calls his capos and stuff. Eh, Sometimes. But often he will kill however he needs to. On the TV show, we saw him kill people with a shotgun. We saw him kill people with pistols. We saw him kill people, Ralphie, with his bare hands or an extension cord. He's a great improviser. He likes to see a situation and then use whatever is around him 
in order to achieve his direct, direct result. Remember when he was going through, I think it was a hospital, and he saw a staple gun <laughs> right there that a contractor <laughs> yes. was using, and he pulls a guy out of the car with, a, with like a ticket from a police officer and then staples it to his chest repeatedly in a very violent Mick Foley-esque encounter to prove his point. This is a guy who will use everything in the environment in order to hurt you. I don't see that so much with Tony Montana. So another plus for Tony Soprano, he's a great violent improviser. But let's talk one step further. Tony Montana is completely out of control. Tony Montana is hopped up on cocaine. Let's just go ahead and call it out. He's irrational. He doesn't make great decisions. And if you ever talk to a bouncer at a club and they have a choice between fighting somebody who's completely straight edge and somebody who's severely messed up on booze and narcotics, they would rather fight the messed up person 10 times out of 10 because they will be sloppy. They will make bad choices and they will be easy to see how they're about to do what they're about to do. And then you can counter it pretty easily on the other side. Tony Soprano, it's not that he doesn't drink, but he's always in control. You don't really see Tony Soprano going on a bender of any kind because he is about self-preservation. He is about winning this fight. He is about seeing tomorrow much more than Tony Montana goes. Look, if this wasn't a neutral ground fight, I think Tony Montana would have some stuff ready to go. I think he'd have heavy weapons under the desk. I think that, you know, he'd be ready to get gunned down, but take people out with him. But given that this is a neutral encounter with no prior knowledge, he's not going to have all that stuff at his beck and call. And Tony Soprano is going to eat him alive. And that's my point number two. Wow. So much, so much to push back on. Listen, the, the Sopranos, an iconic, iconic series, one of the greatest of all time. But Race to Canis, you're revealing your ignorance about Scarface, another equally iconic film. Okay, let me just go with it. Suicide by Cop, that's what you thought happened at the end of Scarface to Tony Montana? No, it was this other drug lord from Bolivia who sent his troops in en masse to take out Tony Montana. And Tony Montana put up a masterful stand that made people think he was a hero. It was crazy. Compare that to Tony Soprano, spoiler alert, who got taken out while he was eating onion rings at a diner or restaurant, whatever, with Allegedly, his family. We don't know Allegedly. that. We do, unfortunately. What's his name? Chase came out, the creator of the show, and said that's what happened. I'm not happy More that's what he said. Nah, yeah, from the creator of the show. Thank you. Look, on top of that, you know, it, it, Tony Soprano, in terms of that whole scene, he wasn't even aware that there was someone out to get him in that restaurant. Like, his, his, his guard was down. He's not always at his peak. And, you know, that's with him. Eat, I don't know even where I'm going with this. I'm just saying he's not always at his peak. I'm just upset that he got killed in that last scene. It was horrible. Look, on top of that, let me just get to the point here. I was a bouncer. During college, you got to make money. I was a bouncer. That was on top of an already regular job I had. And I will tell you firsthand, that guy on cocaine is a freaking nightmare. They have super strength. Their pain tolerance is through the roof. If they even feel pain anymore, they are out of their mind. A small, tiny little guy who's on coke is an absolute monster and a nightmare to take out because they don't care who they take out. They just want to hurt you real bad when it goes there. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right, let me get to my point number two. For my point number two, let's just talk about this. There are many ways that Tony Montana surpasses Tony Soprano in terms of who would win matchup. I've already talked about the physical fitness aspects, but here's the deal. Tony Montana, he loves to dance. When he escaped from the guy with the chainsaw, he chased him down some stairs, got out and got in front of him, shot him in front of a whole bunch of people, jumped in the car. The only reason I'm saying this is because I don't think Tony Soprano is running down and jumping down a flight of stairs anywhere near the way Tony Montana 
Montanas. He's just in way better shape, kind of looks after what he's eating, all that kind of stuff, and moves better. Then there's Scarface's aggra- you know, aggressiveness, his ruthlessness. See, this is what he's known for. This is someone who had no problem killing a high-ranking police officer or police commander within the Miami Police Department, a no-no, something Tony Soprano would never do. He'd have to think about it, strategize. Uh, Tony Soprano, whether it's good or bad, he's killing that guy if he thinks he needs to. He's that aggressive. He's that ruthless. And he's like, whoever's standing in my way, I'm taking you out. I'm not listening to reason. You're done. Now, again, we need to mention the combat experience. Look, someone comes after Tony Montana with a chainsaw. He still escapes. The whole good thing. Uh, people have been shooting at him. He had to, you know, at a couple of times at that bar type of restaurant thing, the high-end place. He was at that club. And all of a sudden, hitmen are coming after him, trying to shoot him. He is jumping out of the way. He's jumping over tables. He's escaping. He's kind of pulling off some cool maneuvers to get out of there. And he escapes as well. And again, that's his endurance. He had to get out of that table and then run, jump over things. Tony Soprano in a fight. Listen, he better get on top of you. But again, he's got a good minute and a half of fury before he tires out and pukes all over himself because he's that tired. Again, he's in horrible shape. He's made out of fudge. I hate to say it. It's just a fact. Tony Montana, with that Coke-fueled diet of his, is sinewy, very strong, and surprisingly agile. And again, when we talk about drug use, Ray Cicane is in a fight. You're saying that's a horrible thing. I'm totally anti-drug. I really, really am. But in this case, this extracurricular usage of his little friend, Cocaine, guess what? That's going to give him a boost in this fight. Whenever he does it, he is now braver. He's now stronger. We saw that all the time in Scarface. And in terms of combat ability, look, again, Tony Soprano's a brawler. But Tony Montana, man, when it comes to fighting, he's going to get in there. He's going to do it. And guns are blazing right away. Tony, Tony Soprano, he likes to fight. If he has to pull a gun, he will. Tony Montana is pulling a gun right away. And by the way, on a side note, I'm assuming both of these characters have at least a, you know, a handgun that's fully loaded at their disposal on them. They both have that and can both use improvised weapons. And then finally, in terms of gun usage, look, here's the fun part. Tony Montana is showing way better gun usage than Tony Soprano. Even when he's just sitting, he's got a busted up arm. He's shot already sitting at the table. He's got his gun. He knows exactly how to hold it with leverage whatever i'm someone who loves fire you know shooting guns this guy knows what he's doing he's a way better shot than tony soprano who does have experience with firearms but has to get up really close and personal and is nowhere near the combat shooter that Tony Soprano is. When you put all that together, the combat experience, combat experience, the gun usage, everything else, the ability to move really, really well in a full-out brawl to the end, it only favors Tony Montana. All of that is my point number two. I, I think it's adorable the way you keep trying, but I'm going to go ahead and slap you down one more time. Now, allegedly, Tony Soprano is killed in the final scene of The Sopranos. That's not guaranteed. That is left up to the audience's imagination. And as far as this battle goes, I am not convinced that he was actually murdered in that scene, even though all points point to that eventuality. I don't care. I want this win more than that. Now, okay, it's not feds. It's a rival drug baron who sent all those people in. Who cares? They all work the exact same way. There are a bunch of guys with lots of weapons who come in and murder Tony Montana. Sorry, rough way to go. Uh, Congratulations on your heroism you drug-dealing kingpin of a crime empire. What a hero. He went down. He got murdered. What are we talking about? Quite honestly, I'm more afraid of Tommy Versetti from Grand Theft Auto Vice City than I am Tony Montana from Scarface. Why? Tony Versetti was played by Ray Liotta. That's all I have to say about that.
All right, very interesting stuff, Ray Sicanis. Look, we are now at the turning point. Kevin, you've had a moment to ponder two points for both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? Well, one of you guys needs to start bringing the women in this discussion. Michelle Pfeiffer versus Annabella Skior and a bevy of other random Russian strippers. I mean, come on. we got to get to that point of this discussion, right? <laughs> I mean, do we? I mean, this is a, uh, this is a battle between two guys. We're trying to kill each other. I don't. Think. I don't believe but the name ahead. of the show is "Who Would Pick Up." I would. No, I'm teasing. No, it's uh, listen, Gavzi. You made some good points. We all know Gandolfini, not exactly svelte. You know that 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 gold chain would be swaying back and forth and get caught in that Bozo the Clown esque chest hair puffing out of his shirt, wheezing. Oh wow, wheezing as he goes about his business. Pacino. By the way, five foot seven, not five or five foot six, excuse me, as Google just showed me, not five foot seven. A little more spry, but let's let, let's call as we see it. I think Michelle Pfeiffer can bench press Pacino. So you gave a little more credence to the to the attributes for Pacino versus versus uh, Gandolfini, but you're a long way from home. You're both a long way from home, and we also forgot Ray Liotta also in the Sopranos movie. That's right, right. Saints in Newark. He was fantastic. No, no, no. That movie was anything but fantastic. And I don't care. Performances aside, that movie should be banished like King of the Crystal Skull and kind of neuralized from Men in Black from everyone's memory. Thank you. What I have no idea which movie we're talking about. <laughs> All right. Well, what? well said. Lots of stuff to ponder. We'll see what happens. And we'll be right back with our point number three. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we're back. Ray, this is it. I think we're tied so far. We've been here a million times. Let's see what we can do. Hit us with your point number I love three. that you think we're tied right now. My point number three for Tony Soprano, let's talk about his smarts. Let's talk about his skill, right? Because this is a guy who fights with deception. Tony Montana is very straightforward. You know, you mentioned before, oh, you know, he could, oh, he could get away. He could use his combat prowess in that same chainsaw scene a small boy actually held him down for an extended period of time before he finally was able to overpower a teenage child and then finally shoot him in the in the uh, shower. So please, if James Gandolfini, a.k.a. Tony Soprano, gets his hands on Tony Montana, he's just going to lean on him like the bigger fighter in a boxing match. Anyway, smarts and skill, deception. Tony Soprano never comes at you the way you think he's going to come at you. He's always finding a new and exciting way to deceive. Remember before when I mentioned that Tony Montana got deceived in that hotel room and he thought things were going to go a certain way and then everything turned out to be wrong? Well, Tony Soprano once murdered a guy by walking up to him while the guy was on his boat holding a giant big mouth bass fish saying, <laughs> hey, I caught this in a nearby harbor. Want to see? Pulls a gun out of the fish's mouth and blows the guy away. That's deception. That's intelligence. He, of course, came in from behind Febby with the extension cord, right? 
absolutely did not see him coming in any way. In fact, he was more occupied with a deer off in the woods, like 50 meters away, than he was the hulking giant, Tony Soprano, stealthily walking up to strangle him. Not to mention when Steve Buscemi uh, ends up going down. He goes down how? He's got two bags of groceries at his front porch. He's going to open the door. Tony Soprano comes to the shotgun around the side. No, no idea that he was there and just one shots him in the face and blows him away. Honestly, doing him a little bit of a favor. If you remember that storyline, and this is the entire point, Tony Montana needed to be the guy. He needed to be the person everybody looked up to. He needed that adulation. Tony Soprano doesn't want any of that. He's too smart for that. He worked behind his uncle junior running the show the entire time that took heat off of him. That's why large groups of men with machine guns never broke into his house to try to murder him is because he had a willing patsy as the quote unquote head of the crime family that he was able to work through. In fact, there were multiple attempts on Tony Soprano's life during the show and he survived every single one of them. The first one, the assassin came up to him while he was uh, getting ready to get into his car and he saw him in the, uh, the mirror of the glass of the window pulling a gun on him, and he was able to uh, hit him, get in the car, disarm him by just grabbing his hand and pulling the gun out of it because he's ridiculously strong, right? That's when the other guy came, came out of the car, came around to the other side, tried to shoot, shot the first guy. Tony reached out again, grabbed the arm with the gun, and disarmed him again before driving away. If, he, if Tony Montana tries to pull a gun on Tony Soprano, he's just going to disarm him. This is what he does when you try to pull a gun on him. He's too big, he's too strong, and if you're getting up close enough, he's just going to grab you and disarm you. And you talked about his lack of stamina. I remember a scene when he was talking to the crime boss of New York, Johnny Sack, trying to bury the hatch and trying to make it work, and feds appeared everywhere around them, and he took off into the snow. He escaped the federal agents coming for Johnny Sack by running full tilt for an extended period of time through the snow with no, no knowledge that this was about to happen. This is a guy who has more endurance than you think. Is he a little sweaty? Okay. Does he, does he breathe heavy at the end of a fight? Yes. Does he always land on that guy and kill him at the end of that fight? Yes, he does. He deserves a breather because he's getting the job done and he's doing it with intelligence. He's doing it with skill. And this is a guy who can actually fight. And that's my point number three. This is this is why I have a problem sometimes because I love sometimes on the show I love both characters so much and then I got to tear one apart to make sure the character I'm repping actually comes out ahead. Okay, look, when Tony has a little bit of time to prepare, he can bring some type of object to kind of deceive or what have you, and he can catch them by surprise. Then yeah, he definitely has a pretty good track record. That's not the situation. It's a random encounter, neutral location, no time prepared. They're both facing off and they're both going at it. That's it. There's no fun, cool fish thing that you can pull out, whatever. It's just them going at it. By the way, even if there was, Tony Montana has a great way of using deception as well, and he is a very, very strong, masterful thinker as well. He can use the same tactics. Now, the people that came after uh, Tony Soprano in, I think it was season one or the end of season two, 
of The Sopranos. Great episode. It was two guys coming after him. You got to remember at the end of that scene, he did escape, but then he smashed his car into something and kind of knocked himself out. And I think the airbag went off. If there was a third person of that crew, Tony Soprano would have been killed. Luckily, there wasn't. But he still didn't really get away. He smashed his car into something and had to be rescued. That's a thing as well. So he's not as masterful as you think in terms of getting away, which he was. The feds coming after Johnny Sack. Yeah, Tony Soprano used all of that athleticism where he should have been a varsity athlete in high school. Don't care what his Uncle Junior said. And yeah, he moved. He got out of there. But remember, the feds were really coming after Johnny Sack, not Tony Soprano. That was their primary goal. They got him, which I was kind of sad about because I really like Johnny Sack. All right, let me get to my point number three. And for my point number three, I'm going to name this one, say hello to my little friend. I just love that line. Now, let's talk about some more weaknesses of Tony Soprano. Again, I've already beaten this horse to death. I've already mentioned how Tony Soprano is not in great shape. Moving on, I've already talked about how, you know, Tony Montana is way more agile. He's faster. You know, he's physically way more ruthless than Tony Montana. In terms of overall fighting experience, I don't think Tony Soprano ever faced off against a guy with a chainsaw or a small army like Scarface did. Uh, But here's the thing. Tony Soprano was actually shot. Remember that? And that classic scene in a later season of The Sopranos, Uncle Junior, Tony's uncle, while suffering from a bout of dementia, thinks Tony Soprano is an intruder in his house and shoots him once in the stomach with what looked like a small revolver. Tony hits the ground immediately in so much pain, he can't get back up. He pulls the phone down, dials 911, but then can't say anything. Luckily, they send an ambulance, and that's the thing. Now, After a long recovery, he's somewhat back to normal, kind of, but after a short fight with his brother-in-law, Bobby Bacala, where Tony loses the fight, he reveals the next morning that he's not as physically capable now because the gunshot to the stomach has left him weaker physically than he was before. So in this fight, we have a Tony Soprano who is self-admittedly physically less than what he was before the gunshot. Now, let's focus on Tony Montana for a second. Tony, again, is in much better shape. He's way more agile. He's insanely ruthless. He's literally not going to stop unless you kill him. That's a fact. On top of all that, Scarface has one extra little advantage that I mentioned before that Tony Soprano doesn't. And this advantage is his actual real little friend, not guns. Oh, no, no. It's cocaine. Sorry, kids. This is where things are going to get a little weird. See, Tony Montana always has a bump. He always has a little bit of a performance enhancement boost on him at all times in the form of cocaine. Once he has some of that, once he's ingested some, his willpower, his inner physical fortitude, his ability to take punishment really becomes superhuman. Remember, in the last iconic scene of Scarface, Race to Canis, where we witnessed Tony Montana in all of his glory take on a small army where after ingesting some cocaine, he proceeds to kill many people who stormed his house. But what's even more impressive is that he got shot 15 times, 15 freaking times, and kept on fighting and kept on standing. Four of those shots were to the stomach, by the way. It wasn't until he got shot from behind at point-blank range by a shotgun blast that he stopped fighting. See, in Canada, we have a widely distributed version of something similar to cocaine called maple syrup, which is kind of why hockey is so good up there and why football isn't bad. Anyway, the moment we ingest maple syrup, we're literally transformed into Super Saiyans in the same way Goku from Dragon Ball Z does. Kevin Goatee, you don't need to worry about that. That's why I'm a nerd. I know these things. And this is specifically what happens to Tony Montana, all joking aside, as evidenced by his superhuman ability to take insane amounts of punishment in the form of being shot by rifles, machine guns, and high-powered handguns. And while he's being shot, he took out 
killed approximately 23 gunmen who were shooting at him. And guess what? Tony Montana always has some cocaine on him for a boost wherever he wants it. We see this throughout the movie. Compare that to Tony Soprano, who was taken out by a small, low-powered revolver by his senior citizen uncle with one gunshot to the gut, which would put any normal human being down, by the way, no doubt. But in a one-on-one fight where each has a handgun or the same firearms, what do you think is going to happen? Look, who would I want to hang out with between these two? It's Tony Soprano all day. Who do I want overseeing the housing commission to see that my crew gets four or five no-show jobs in order for everyone to get health benefits? Again, that's Tony Soprano. He's the man for the job. But if I have to choose who wins in a fight with a fatherly mob boss who's out of shape, tires really quick, and who's already been shot in the stomach and is now self-admittedly nowhere near as physically capable in a fight as he used to be versus Scarface? The guy who got shot 15 times was still standing, took out 23 armed drug lord people, whatever, who were coming after him. I'm picking the guy who killed his first victim at 13 and took on, then conquered the Miami drug empire. And who in his last act of life took you know all those bullets while killing 23 freaking people and was still standing. You know where I'm going with it. All of that is my point number three. No, please. Now, Tony Soprano is too smart to be attacked by 15 plus people at the same time. When in the story are we talking about, James? Yes, at one point, Tony Soprano got shot in the gut and he survived it and was a little bit less afterwards. You just get to pick and choose where in the story my Tony Soprano is? Okay, I picked Tony Montana after the credits roll. Okay, he's dead. I win the fight. What are you talking about right now? Uh, I'm sorry. And I'm so sorry, James, that he only fought two gun-toting assassins with no knowledge that they were coming and they tried to jump him from behind. Time to prepare. I appreciate that Tony Soprano can prepare, but I also can appreciate, of course, that if he gets jumped, he's still going to win. Let's not forget at his prime, Tony Soprano could bench 300 pounds. Meanwhile, Tony Montana is out of control. He's doing so much cocaine, he's irrational. He's shooting his friends. He's not making good decisions. You can see what he's going to do a mile away. If they didn't attack him in his own home with him ready to go for it, He would have been munched by that crew way before the time when it happened. I'll say it again. Tony's the bigger guy. Tony's the the smarter guy. Tony's the one who is a survivor, much more so than Tony Montana. And at the end of the day, Tony Soprano gets this done. I love this battle. I'm smiling the whole time. I'm loving Ray. I'm loving what you're saying. I'm loving what I'm coming back with. This is just so much fun. But with all good things, they must come to an end. Kevin, this is where you got to do what you do. You've heard three points from both Ray and myself. It's time for you to make a decision. But before we get to what Kevin has to say, let's celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week, we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today, we have a special patron of the show. We have Michael Vasquez. Michael, welcome to the Who Would Win show. You are on the spot. All right, Michael Vasquez, huh? Okay. In honor of the mob boss theme for today's episode, let's have Michael Vasquez go up against the size and power of the Kingpin. Kingpin. Now, this is a great, great battle, and I'll tell you why. Kingpin, much like Tony Soprano, a very large individual, very strong, always has a gun on him, can take a shot or two, without going down. Meanwhile, Michael Vasquez, the thing you don't know about Michael is he has the spirit and heart of an old Wild West cowboy. That's right. He's always walking around with a Stetson hat, with a Colt 45 at his hip, and with spurs on the back of his cowboy boots. And he's going to walk into town expecting a certain degree of panache. And he's going to say, Kingpin, I meet you at high noon. 
when that clock strikes 12. And by the time he says that part, Kingpin has already pulled out a gun and started firing. Because Kingpin doesn't play like that. And that's when Michael Vasquez has to hit the deck. He's got to hide behind a barrel. Hide behind the grand piano in the saloon. Because yes, somehow we're doing this in a wild west town. And Michael Vasquez is going to go up onto the top of a balcony, jump down onto Kingpin, and then cold cock him as he's coming down with the butt of his Colt 45, knocking him unconscious. It's enough to win a who would win battle. Congratulations, Michael. You got it done. This is crazy because Michael uh, Vasquez evidently knew of the Kingpin's kryptonite, which is being bonked on the top of the head with the butt of a gun. This is crazy. Well played, Michael. Now, remember, you two can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now, back to the decision, Kevin. It's time for you to do what you do. Take us through your process. Tell us the story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Tony Montana and Tony Soprano. Well, as usual, Ray Sicanis leaves meat on the bone. Ray, how do you forget the fact that Tony Soprano beat up the T-1000 Robert Patrick in the Sporting Goods episode? Oh, my gosh. Look, he the, wasn't the T-1000 in that episode. I didn't well, think he played. Well, I don't is, know the, about that. Maybe. How, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this here's is, the deal. Great reference. Thank you. That's what I do. I, also, uh, beat a Patricia Arquette in True Romance, but we can really do this all day. He's also the machine in 8mm. Yeah. That's a uh, film that not people want to go back and reference. Kevin, don't forget in uh, Get, uh, what was it? The, the John Travolta movie, Get, Get Shorty. Shorty. He got thrown down an escalator. <laughs> so that's why I didn't bring some of this up, all right? I thought my reference was the best. There's no need to try and yes, Andy, goddammit. I'm good at this as it is. It's all I do. It's all I do, Kevin. Number two, you also forgot, Ray Stacanis. You were You were there. I thought you were going to do it. Tony Soprano played football as a kid. Yeah, it's true. Mm. Who brought that up? He had the makings of a varsity. He said he bench, benched 350 or whatever it was. 300. Didn't say, 300. Yeah. Didn't say I, he played football, As, as if Tony Montana coked out wouldn't do that for reps, by the way. Just when that right, happened. right. Montana, though, squirrely, uncontrollable with his, his cocaine. I, I just, I really, I'm really torn about this one. How do I, by the way, Tony uh, Soprano, better shape than you think. I mean, the guy can roll off hookers like no one's business when he's done with them and still have a few breaths in his, uh, in his carcass. So good for him. It's also, again, I go back to show me, don't tell me. What was Tony, what was Tony Montana doing in that film that was so, so great besides just, you know, one cliche that stood the test of time and a film that really hasn't. Scarface, not that good. We all can admit that now. Even Oliver Stone, who wrote the film, said it's not that good and that, you know, whatever. We're not here to discuss that. You can on, good, on Gutting the Sacred Cow, though. On our episode number four or five. Ha! Look at that callback. Look, bottom line is this. This is as dead nuts even as I can ever remember any argument. Honest to God. You guys did a masterful job. I love nitpicking, but you guys really had this thing clean. So it is with a heavy heart that I say, race to Canis, take it two in a row from me, baby. How could a Jersey guy not take Tony Soprano like that? And it's again, there was everything else there, even Steven in my book. I considered all of James' points to be valid and fair. But Tony Soprano just had that certain style, panache, humor, all those little things are just everything else being dead ass equal within the physical straight physical traits category. This is where we're this is where we're left, gentlemen. Race to Canis. Take that goofball body of yours and take a bow. And you there- know, I have been I have been physically compared to to Tony Soprano. So I thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> and there you have it. I gotta tell you, 
I'm actually really good with this decision. I love both of them, but I really, really love Tony Soprano. I had to give it my all for Tony Montana. And listen, either one winning is cool, but I'm actually very happy with this decision. Ray Sicanis, you did a great job with, with Tony Soprano. I wish you had mentioned more of his, his athletic ability a little bit, but you still pulled out the win. Wonderful job. Tell the Legion of Audience how you feel with this victory. Yeah, I feel a little bit bad because I was focusing on the times when he killed people because I thought that was vital to this battle. You're right. He does beat up other people as well. I tried to touch upon the ones I thought were most impressive. And yes, of course, the T-1000 as part of that list. I left it off. You know, we, got, we only got so much time to do these battles, and I didn't feel that was as impressive. Obviously, I should have known my judge better <laughs> than I do. How could I not at this point? The point, though, I'm trying to make is I'm great. Tony Soprano's great. I'm now considering after this battle a Sopranos rewatch of the Ooh. entire series because that show is phenomenal. And all of the stuff I watched, even non-battle stuff, just watching great scenes from it reminded me how great this show is. If you have HBO, you should... What's that? Oh, they don't call it? Max. Well, that's stupid. My point I'm trying to make is if you have HBO... You should watch The Sopranos if you have not already. It holds up. One you other point, one other point too, I, I forgot to touch on. You said he was running in the snow and, and got away. Yeah, they weren't chasing him. They're after Johnny Sack, my friend. He wasn't that he was they running out. They would have been out happy him. to have him. I, I kind of mentioned that too. I know. By the way, by the way, my favorite Tony Soprano fight, if you even want to call it that, is when he takes out Coco. And I don't know what you guys call it in the states. In Canada, we call it the Smiley where Coco, that gangster, was making fun of his daughter or said some inappropriate stuff to his daughter. Tony comes in, hits him in the back of the head with a gun, smashes him, puts his face on the ground, like face first, open mouth with his teeth on the ground, bashes in the back of the head, teeth go flying. Sorry, that's just something I would have kind of call, went call to a, right away. It's called a curb job up here, yeah. but... We call gotcha. it curb stomping in Detroit. Yeah, yeah curb Got job. It. It's a smiley in uh, Canada. You know what? Cultural differences, tomato, tomato. All right, listen, I love this episode. I may have gotten the loss, but man, what fun it was to have. And I know it's going to be fun to listen to. Kevin Goatee, you were fantastic. You were the perfect person for this I am. Uh, battle, as you sometimes are as well for other battles. Tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, where they can find you. I'm going to say one of my all-time favorite Sopranos quote is, is this one. When Tony says... Remember when is the lowest form of conversation. Gutting the Sacred Cow in all podcast platforms <laughs> and, of course, on YouTube where you can hear the finest of films, the most beloved, financially successful, or critically acclaimed films that are up for debate. How are they holding up? Are they still fantastic? Were they even good to begin with? That's right. Last week was Edge of Tomorrow. This upcoming week, as you hear this, is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Wowzer. Probably the most impactful, one of the most impactful sci-fi films ever to do. The Great Silver Screen and by Steven Spielberg, as we all know. Gutting the sacred cow at gmail.com to say hi at Kevin Goatee on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Fantasy football jibber jabber. The, fe- the season has just ended today, but I'll still be doling out free money advice. I was a uh, five over 500 today yet again. Thank you. And uh, hey, am I going to pull for Rays Rams or am I going to what am I going to do? I don't know. I see what the money is. I said Rays Rams. I'm in his alliance, but Stafford, you know what it is. Fantasy football jibber jabber and all podcast platforms on YouTube and gentlemen. It's always a pleasure to fly the friendly skies with you, too. I love it. Ray Sicanis, you got your first victory of season six. Well done. You did a great job. Tell our listeners where they can find you. Hey, Kevin, 
Remember when I was on Gutting the Sacred Cow doing the movie, Clerks? Very much so. It's a pretty good episode. I gutted that movie so thoroughly, Mm. I've heard you're not allowing another alleged comedy ever again on the show. Can you put some truth to my words? (laughs) Completely false. (laughs) Interesting. I heard differently. The point I'm trying to make here is you should check out all the times I've been on Gutting the Sacred Cow. Check out my Transformers episode, Mm -hmm. my Highlander episode, my Clerks episode, and most impactfully, (laughs) my Caddyshack episode where I destroyed that abysmal alleged comedy and tore it asunder so badly that Kevin Goatee needed reinforcements on the judging panel just to try to shut me up, and it did not work. I will say, listen, that Cindy Morgan just died yesterday hearing how horribly Ray's argument went. That's how bad his argument went on Caddyshack. Cindy Morgan playing, of course, the blonde in the film R.I.P. Or as you you nerds know her from Tron. I would like to believe, Kevin, that she passed away because she heard what I had to say and realized it was all a lie. The point I'm trying to make is, of course, Tony (laughs) Soprano wins this fight. He's bigger, stronger, faster, and has so many feats over six seasons of a TV show, I couldn't even get to them all. I had curb stomp written, and I I ran out of time. Maybe I should have put it higher on my uh, pecking order. The point I'm trying to make is, you can find me online at Threads at Almighty Ray 316. We all know your Detroit Lions are now in the playoffs against Matthew Stafford, the beloved MVP Hall of Famer and the Los Angeles Rams of Los Angeles. Find me Sunday night. We will be live threading together. On that popular platform, Threads. Over 100 million (laughs) daily active users. Not bad for only six months of existence. I think it went up, then whatever. Hey, whatever you like to do. And you can find me on X, aka Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gabsy. Remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group. This thing is exploding, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. To make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community, you can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Cicadis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, gang. I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash hoodwinshow right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Hello, Who Would Win folks. This is one of your favorite movie podcast hosts, Kevin Goatee here from Gutting the Sacred Cow. We know we have a lot of our herd fans in your audience and vice versa. And would you believe that this week our episode is the blockbuster mentality podcast guys coming on to attack Batman 1989? Wow. And look at this. Who would win, guys? Have Batman 89 fighting in a fight. 
You talk about kismet. Well, here we are. Make sure you come over to guttingthesacredcow.com or your favorite podcast platform or YouTube to check out where you can hear the episode to see if the Blockbuster Mentality guys can convince Kevin Israel and myself that Batman 89 is as bad as huffing Smilex gas. Thanks to Ray and James for letting us do this, and we'll see you guys soon. Later.